Well, I thought the challenge of last week's sermon would be the greatest challenge that I would face in the book of James. I was wrong. Last week, I thought when we dealt with uh, partiality and looked at prejudice and looked at power and looked at all that was going on in that passage, that that would be the most difficult sermon to deliver. But today's going to be harder. Uh, We're going to have to look and dig a little bit deeper because we're looking at taming the tongue. Is that a challenge for you? I know it's a challenge for me. There's a reason why James says right off the bat that not many of you should want to become teachers because one day you might have to preach a sermon like this. And it's very difficult um, because it's impossible to preach a sermon like this and not feel just a little bit hypocritical. And so I deliver this message to you with great humility recognizing my faults and my own failings in this area. And so that's my disclaimer as I come to this message today and as we try and deal with uh, taming the tongue. The little bit of hope I have here is that James makes it clear, actually, that it's easier to tame a lion or a killer whale than to tame the tongue. He doesn't use lion or killer whale, but any animal, dream up any animal. I think the most difficult animal would be the household cat. You ever tried to tame a cat? You don't tame a cat. Uh, you, you know, have a cat in your house and it allows you to live there, right? Uh, but James is basically saying it's easier to tame and train a cat than it is to tame the tongue. So we've got our task cut out for us. James also makes it really clear how powerful the tongue is. And I think we know this. And he uses three illustrations to draw our attention to it. He talks about the bit that goes into a horse's mouth. I'm always amazed at horses. And when our girls were younger, they did a lot of riding with horses. And I have to admit now, I couldn't admit it then, but I'm a little scared of them. I mean, when you get up close and you realize just how much power is there, if they really didn't want you on their back, they would not have you on their back. Like, it's that simple. Uh, They're so strong, and yet this little piece controls them. Or James says, think about the rudder of a ship and how that little piece controls the whole ship. Or or think about a spark, a a careless cigarette thrown away starts a whole blaze, a whole forest fire. The tongue is like that, the small thing, and yet it has such an impact and often an impact for the negative. Well, when James is talking about the tongue, he's not just talking about this muscular organ in our body, right? We understand that? He's talking about our words, and our words matter. As one uh, speaker said, words are containers for power. You choose what kind of power they carry. Words are powerful. Words are also an extension of our being, aren't they? Uh, We can't be separated from our words. They're part of who we are, and they extend from our being. And in that sense, we are kind of like God when we speak. 
in that we're made in his image. And just as God spoke and the world came into existence, and also God spoke and the earth trembled, so our words have the power to create and do good or to tear down and destroy. That's what we've been given as human beings made in the image of God, the ability to use words in such a powerful way. I think the last two years in particular, we've seen how powerful words are, whether they've been typed out or put on Facebook posts or spoken in public or over the media. I came across this blog by an author, uh, Sarah Hauser, and I was just really struck by her words. She said, We see every day how hateful speech from public figures leaves destruction in its wake. We see how verbal abuse can damage someone for their entire lives. We know that a hurtful word can ring in our ears for years to come. That old rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie. It's a lie. Maybe we can brush off some hurtful words for a while, but words matter, right? Words matter. And words matter to God. The Bible actually has a really long list of speech sins. I don't know if we think of sin in this way, but there's, I started to collect them. I think I got up to about 11. There may be more. That's your task, by the way, this afternoon. Look for all the sins of speech in the Bible. Here's a few to get you started. Lying, gossiping, slander, backbiting, bickering, boasting, quarreling, lewdness, rudeness, endless chatter, The list goes on, doesn't it? Words matter to God. And what we do with our words matters to God. When we pass along false information about someone, we sin. When we use words to stir up division or intentionally cause an argument, whether it's in public or on Facebook, we sin. When we dish the dirt on someone behind their back, even if it's true, we're like, I just want you to pray for this person because I heard that they're... You ever use that line? It sounds so spiritual. And we're really just dishing the dirt. It's sin. Stop doing it. When we break confidence, when someone has trusted us with their story, we sin. When we use lots of words just to hurt you, hear the sound of our own voice. And here I am preaching today, right? <laughs> That's why it makes it so difficult. But when we use lots of words just to hear the sound of our own voice, the Bible calls that just endless chatter. It's sinful. And when we default to spewing out vulgarities and dirty jokes, ha, it's sin. There's an old saying, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, You know, people say, would you kiss your mother with that mouth? Well, James has a slightly different saying, and his saying is this. Would you worship God with that tongue? that you've just cursed someone out with? That's the challenge of this passage. Now, here's the hope. James acknowledges that we slip up. The word he uses in here that can sometimes be translated as sin is a sin word that's meant to slip up. We often slip up. In the message translation, the opening lines of this passage says this, we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. So James acknowledges that we slip up. 
However, if we find that we're using words persistently and consistently to gossip and to slander and to complain, if we're constantly using words to tear other people down or to mock people who are different from us or to start fights online, if we can't keep confidence or keep our opinions to ourselves, then the problem is not our tongue, it's our heart. That's what James is getting at in the end. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45 is part of the recording in Luke about the Sermon on the Mount that James really echoes in this passage. And in that passage on the Sermon on the Mount in Luke 6, Jesus says this, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we're having a problem with our tongue, it's actually an issue with our heart. And that's what we have to dig into. That's what we have to understand. So what are we to do? Is it all hopeless? Do we just give up? Let loose, uh, do what we will, and ask for forgiveness later. No, I, I think that it's difficult, but there's things that we can do. We might actually learn how to train a cat. James says we'll never fully learn to train our tongue, because with human strength, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's the deciding factor, because God is into transforming our hearts. And that's where the issue lies. So how can we reign in our speech? I want to give you three ways we can do this. This is just wisdom from James and from Scripture. And I'm going to invite you, all of you if you want to, to come on Wednesday night and share your wisdom on how we can tame the tongue or at least rein it in. Things that you've learned together, and we're going to share that on Wednesday night. But here's wisdom tip number one. Hold your tongue, or as I say in Scotland, hod your wished. Right, Linda? Yeah. My mom said that to me many, many times. Hold your tongue. James chapter 1 says it like this. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I think we've forgotten this, especially the last two years. We've reversed it. We want to be quick to speak and slow to listen, but that's not what James says. This is the challenge. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I'm part of a, a motorcycle buy and sell group on Facebook. Not because I have a motorcycle to buy or sell, but just because I seem to like temptation. So I'm on the motorcycle buy and sell Facebook group, and a couple of weeks ago, this poor guy put up this old uh, dirt bike. It was a classic dirt bike. But honestly, he was asking way too much money for it. Maybe it was his starting price. I don't know. But one guy goes on there and just comments in the comment section, that bike is a piece of, and he used the word, dirt. Well, that unleashed a whole episode of conversation. And people were at each other. Suddenly we're talking about COVID and then vaccinations. And then one guy's calling another guy a Nazi. The guy just wanted to sell his bike. And I felt like joining the conversation and, and saying, you know, if you, if you don't like the bike, just move on. So here's the newsflash that we need to listen to. We don't have to have an opinion on every single topic in the world. I find that very freeing, actually, because sometimes we feel we do. We've got to have an opinion on everything. We don't. We can actually honestly say, you know what? I don't know enough about that topic to have a legitimate opinion about it. 
And so I'm not going to engage in this conversation. But even if we're the expert, even if we have a well-thought-out opinion, here's the other newsflash. We don't need to share it. We don't need to share it all the time. We can actually learn to hold our tongue, to heart our wished, <laughs> to rein in that impulse to engage in every conversation. We don't need to go there. Proverbs chapter 17 takes it another step further. Listen to what Proverbs says. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. So if we want to seem more intelligent to others, stop talking. <laughs> Sometimes. That's part of the challenge in Scripture is to actually embrace silence at times. To be okay not engaging in the conversation or setting wrongs to right when we just don't need to stir up the fire. So there's tip number one, hold your tongue. Be quick to listen and slow to speak, as James says. Okay, the second one is this, and it's going to sound opposite, but it's kind of intentional just to get your attention. I've just said hold your tongue, but now the second tip is this, use your words. Sometimes when ice cream comes out in our house, I get very excited. I actually have a very special spoon that I only use for ice cream. And everybody in the household knows that that spoon is only used for my ice cream. I'm not kidding. It's, it's a thing. When I'm buried, there'll be that spoon and a screwdriver that I always use. So there's two things going in my, my coffin. But that ice cream spoon, I begin to panic if I can't find it. And so I have the bowl, I have the ice cream, and I'm motioning to Christine. Christine, I need the... And, and she's like, use your words, right? Use your words. Well, that's the reminder. We need to use our words. We need to use our words. As Ephesians chapter 4 says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let's use our words to build one another up. If they're that powerful, let's use them wisely. Or how about this? In Proverbs chapter 31, it says this, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. If we're going to use our words, let's use them on behalf of the oppressed. Let's use our words wisely. When we speak, let's speak for something good and true and just. Use our words is the second tip we have in reigning in our tongue and using it wisely. But here's a third, and this is what we really need to get to. We need to get to the heart of the matter. We need heart transformation. If we consistently use our tongue to praise God on Sunday and then slander those made in God's image all the rest of the week, then we've got a problem. That's what James is saying. This must stop, says James. James does actually three different sections talking about our words. Now remember, the whole point of James is to talk about our works, to talk about our actions, right? And here he is talking about our words in three different sections. In James chapter 4, he lays it out simply, believers, do not slander one another. Don't dish dirt behind one another's back. Believers, don't do this. He goes on to say, you know, if basically, if we, if we think we have a fig tree growing, but that tree is always producing olives, then maybe we should take a closer look at the tree. <laughs> maybe we don't have a fig tree. In other words, 
If we say that we're of God and yet we're not loving our neighbor, then we have to understand and look at our relationship with God. Are we really loving God? Again, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 43, which is the Sermon on the Mount in Luke, and this is what James echoes, and this is the longer passage of it. Jesus says, A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So what's filling your heart these days? What are we putting in there? Because whatever we put in there is going to overflow. Is it, is it bitterness? Is it anger? Is it filth? Is it jealousy? Is it greed? Is it gossip? Is it lies? If this is what we're filling our heart with, then we need to change our diet. We need to have a new diet. We need to fill our heart with good things. Philippians 4 says this, Fix your heart on what is true, on what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is beautiful, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's the invitation that God gives to us. And it's so hard today, isn't it? We turn on the news. We open our Facebook feed. We do all these things. We just talk to our neighbors. And we're just being fed with this anger and bitterness and confusion. We need to redirect our attention. That's why we're here today, I think. That's why we come together. So that we can contemplate the love of God, the holiness of God, the beauty of God. So that our hearts might be filled to overflowing with God's presence. That's how we tame our tongue, or at least rein it in. You know, I think during this time of COVID, and uh, I can remember basically this time two years ago, Samuel and I made the first video, and I said, hey guys, we have a two-weeks break from church. <laughs> and to think back on those days, and I think we've produced about 700 videos almost since then, and it's been an incredible, crazy, undesirable journey in many ways. But I think also during this time of COVID, there's been far too much slander and gossip and harshness and arrogance in our speech. And I'm talking primarily to myself and to others who consider, them part of the, consider themselves part of the body of Christ. We should be the first to be gracious and kind and respectful and loving. Especially, I think, over the next few weeks as we see things change as we see, see limits and, and restrictions change, and we're going to need to be kind with one another as we go through this journey together. Why do words matter so much? Why does it matter how we speak to one another? Well, it matters because our witness depends on it. It depends on it. Colossians chapter 4 says this, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity and let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. We might not be able to tame the tongue completely, but we can learn to use our words to bring glory to God, 
to encourage one another and to speak on behalf of the oppressed. Let's pray together. Father, we start with a a prayer asking for forgiveness. For the times that we've used our words to praise you and then used our same mouth in order to tear those made in your image down. And Father, we also pray that you would help us. Help us to learn to uh, respect one another and be kind because you have been so kind to us. Help us to love one another just as you have loved us and help us to do that with our words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.